Welcome again to Carolina Family Church. For those of you that I haven't had a chance to meet, my name is John, and I'm the pastor here. Starting a brand new series today, and I'm really, really excited. Um, and I want to talk about dreams to begin. Not like the kind you have when you're sleeping, but like real dreams. Okay, I have dreams. Some very realistic ones, I think. Like, um, I have a dream to have six-pack abs. Visible ones. I know I have them. They're under there somewhere, but maybe one day to have them be visible would be amazing. Or um, one of my dreams is to eat a hundred chicken wings in one sitting. I've come close. 76 is my record, okay? Now, I know those two dreams aren't compatible with each other, but that's why we call them dreams, right? Right? A six-pack and wings, that might be doable, but not the other one. So uh, that's, that's a dream. I have, I have a dream. Now, more realistically, I have a dream one day to have a house with a view. My wife says, she says this over and over again, we'll go on vacation to a place that like overlooks a mountain range or whatever it may be, or a lake, or doesn't matter, just some kind of view. And she'll say, I'll never, I have never met a person in my life who appreciates a view like you do. I know, I could just stare at it all day long. And uh, my other dream is to have a house with a full wood shop out back. Like all the tools, dust collection system, the whole nine yards. I love it. That's a dream one day. We're going to work towards that. And then I have some more, um, maybe more intangible dreams or more relational dreams. Like I have the dream to see my wife accomplish everything that she could possibly ever want to accomplish. And she's well on her way. But I just have a dream to see, just to take her and just lift her up on this, this pedestal, you know, to, to become great, great, great at what she does. I have a dream for my kids to see them grow up, to live fulfilling lives where they're doing what they're passionate about and gifted to do and honoring God and whatever that is. I have a dream, I have a ministry dream to, to be able to influence many, many pastors and to help them understand how to communicate and how to lead and how to, how to be the best pastor they can possibly be and to gather a group of, of people around me that I can help to teach and train and as I've had people do with me. And um, I have a dream for, for each of you. I have a dream that you would grow up into your ministry potential. Everything that God has designed you to be and to do, you have the opportunity and the, the the resources to do. And that's, that's the heartbeat behind planting Carolina Family Church here is to create a place where you can do that, where you can be everything that God has designed you to be. And so really my job here is just to be a concierge, is to be, is to be a teacher and to help, help lead you and help you find where you're supposed to be so you can live to your fullest God-given potential. And um, Jeremy already mentioned this. That's part of why we do the growth track. It's designed to help lead you into that. And so if you haven't been through that, I'd love for you to be a part of that. We have, a, as a church, we have a dream for our community that, that families would be restored, that the brokenness that we see all around us could be repaired, and that when that's repaired, people would be brought to faith in Christ, that they would see his love, they would understand his faithfulness to them, and that they would, would respond that way, and that our whole community could change as a result of the love of Christ here. We have these dreams. I have, I have dreams for the future. Do you, what are yours? What, what are your dreams? What are the things that you want to see happen in your, in your family or in your school or at your job or in our, our city or in our state or in our country or in the entire world? What are, what are the things that you look out there and you say, if only this could be, if this could be, I would really feel like I accomplished something. Yeah. 
Now, if you're anything like me, <laughs> I look at a lot of the dreams and a lot of the hopes that I have, and I go, oh, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like, maybe I don't feel like it's possible. Maybe I don't feel like I'm actually making progress on this. There's sometimes I look at my kids and I'm like, this is never going to happen. They're, they're never going to grow up to be normal, well-adjusted, well-balanced people at the rate that we're going. And so... I, I look at all those things that I want to do and what I want to be, and often I get really discouraged because I'm not those things, and, and those things haven't happened yet, and I don't feel like we're making the progress that we should be making. And here's the problem. This was identified so well for me. Um, this is where this whole series came from, at least the, 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 the framing of it. Um, last week, I had the opportunity to listen to John Maxwell speak, and he's, he's pretty good um, on leadership, if you don't know who he is. And um, he said, life is like this. It's the best way to describe it. We have uphill hopes, but we have downhill habits. And that's the problem. And I was like, that is the problem. <laughs> the problem is that we have uphill hopes and aspirations, but we have downhill habits. And that's what we're going to talk about through this entire series. I've got all these things I want to be and all these things that I want to do, and I just can't seem to do them. And the reason often is because we have uphill hopes and downhill habits. Like, I really want to save money, but I keep financing stuff. <laughs> and so that becomes harder and harder, right? I really, I really want to keep a job, but I'm always late, you know? And I'm, or I'm always, I'm always cutting corners. I never do things quite right. Or I, I really want to stay clean, but I keep going back to it over and over and over again. I really, I really want to be selfless, but I feel like I just keep slipping into being selfish more and more and more selfish. I really want to be healthy, but I just can't stop eating fast food, you know? I really want this, but this is happening. I, I have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. I really want to be trustworthy, but I keep letting everyone down. I, I really want to stop fighting with my wife or with my husband, but we just keep getting into it. I really want to be successful, but I feel like I just keep failing. I really want to be influential, but I feel like I keep losing influence with people. What's the problem? What's wrong with me? That's what I think. I don't know if you think that. Why can't I get this right? Why does it seem like every single time I want to do things right, I want to do what's best, I do what's worst, or what's wrong? Hey, listen, you're not alone. You're not alone. I, I deal with the same stuff. Even when we, look, when we look at Scripture, we look at like the giants of faith. I mean, the, the giants of the Christian faith, they felt the same way. It's like, if I, could, if I could create a top 10 list of Christians of all time, I know one person would definitely be in it. His name was Paul. All right? If you don't know who Paul is, Paul it wrote about half the New Testament, roughly. He was, he was a religious leader who fought against Christianity, but then God turned his life upside down with an encounter he had with Jesus Christ, and he began working for the gospel, for God, and he started planting churches and writing letters, and now we have a lot of that in the Bible. I mean, one of the, one of the all-time greats, right, the Apostle Paul, he had this same thought. All right, look at what he said um, in his letter to the Romans in chapter 7. He said, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. This is like, this is a hero of our faith. This is, this is one of the, the most impactful people who has ever lived. Who, I mean, if you want to talk about someone uphill hopes, someone who achieved uphill hopes, it's got to be Paul, right? But he said, I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. 
I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. And then verse 21, he said, I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. Anybody relate to that? Anybody relate to it? You, know, you raise your hand. That's, that's a step in the right direction. Right? <laughs> sure, that's a step in the right direction. you just like, I, the gravity of life pulls us down. You ever notice that? That if you're not paying attention, the gravity of life will pull us down. Me too. Now, now you might be here and you may not be a Christian, so you're not sure about this God thing or about this Bible thing yet, and you're just checking it on. I don't know exactly why you're here. I'm just glad that you are. Um, but maybe you're here because you feel like you're constantly sliding downhill and you don't know why. And you've tried a lot of different things to try and make progress and move uphill in your life, but you keep feeling like you're sliding down. And what I hope today does is brings into light for you why that is. And as we go through this series, we're going to talk about some of the uphill habits that will draw us closer to what God wants for our life and has planned for us. All right, But even though we feel like we're constantly being pulled downhill, here's the reality of life. Everything worth having is uphill. Everything good is uphill. And so we have to figure out how to move towards those hopes and dreams instead of slipping and sliding away. And what I want you to hear today above anything else is that things can change. You can make progress. Or you can reach, you can reach towards those hopes and those dreams. I'm gonna give you a few steps to follow today, just to keep this simple. So if you're taking notes, you might write these down. And here's step number one. First thing we have to do is embrace uphill hopes. Because before we talk about habits, we need to know what the target on the wall is. What am I actually looking forward to? What am I moving forward towards? And for some of you in the room, the problem isn't habits. The problem is hopes. Actually being optimistic and thinking that things could change and that you could move forward. And I want to encourage you today to dream big. Dream big. Some of you have hopes, but they're bunny hill hopes. They're bunny slope hopes. And you need double black diamond hopes. You need to think bigger than you're thinking right now. You need to think further than you're thinking right now. God, this is something God is working with me on personally because I am a realist, okay? which is what a pessimist calls themselves, by the way. All right, is anybody with me? Any realists in the room? All right, and all you optimists are like, you're pessimists, right? I, I, I have a tendency to set my expectations low because you're less likely to get disappointed, right? Does anybody else live that way? Um, I've learned to live that way as a Buffalo Bills fan, okay? <laughs> set, your, set your expectations low. And um, so that's the way that I've learned to live, and God is, be, is reframing the way I think. He is flipping me uh, on end so that I will start to think bigger and to expect more than I would naturally expect or think. A few months ago, I've told this story to some of you, but a few months ago, I was at a conference and listening to a really amazing pastor speak, and he was just encouraging the room. And I was praying specifically that God would speak to me, would say something to me about our church and what we were supposed to do, what direction we were supposed to be going in. And I was just saying, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me, God. And this guy's on stage speaking, and I just had this thought, this kind of admittedly self-absorbed thought. I thought, I thought, God, what if he just said my name right now on stage in front of thousands of people and told me what to do? That would be amazing. <laughs> you know, he didn't do that. So, but I, I had that, it was a scrubs moment, you know, like, like it was going to happen. And, uh, and so I was praying that, but seriously, no sooner had I prayed that than he said, this guy on stage said, John 11, Jesus says you need to believe bigger. And I went, 
John 11 sounds an awful lot like John Allen to me. <laughs> That's pretty close. I don't, so I don't know. I don't know if that was God speaking directly to me, but I took it that way. And I said, that's good enough. So, all right, so I am supposed to believe bigger. That's what I felt like he was telling me. And I feel like through that and through other things, God is in the process of taking my pessimism and flipping it on its head and trying to turn me into a more positive, more optimistic, more hopeful, more inspired person. And so maybe that's your step today. Maybe you just need to begin to believe bigger, to think bigger, to believe that you can do more than you're doing. I think about a, think about a story. Um, Jesus met a woman one day. And he was sitting down at a well, and she came to draw water out of the well. And, and um, he really shouldn't have even been speaking to her because he was a Jewish man, and she was a Samaritan woman, and they didn't connect. And so, um, but he asks her for a drink of water, and then she goes on talking about something else. And he stops her in John chapter 4, and this, this, is, this just struck me. John chapter 4, Jesus answered her. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink. He's saying, what Jesus is saying is, if you knew who I was, you really knew who I was. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Like if you, Jesus is saying, if you knew who I was, you would understand that I'm capable of more than just a drink of water here, of, of, of water in a cup, that I'm capable of giving you more than that. I'm capable of giving you spiritual life. And so some of us just need to hear that today, that, that, that God would look at us and say, hey, if you really understood who I was, you'd be thinking bigger. You'd be thinking broader. Your dreams would be bigger. Your hopes would be bigger. Your, your mentality and perspective would be bigger if you really understood what I was capable of. And I, I, don't, I, I can't define what God is capable of other than everything. So whatever your hopes are, I just want to encourage you to amplify them, to, to lift them up, to raise them up today. One of the most famous verses in the whole Bible is um, John or Jeremiah 29 11. Okay, a lot of people have it as their life verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for harm, plans to give you a future and a hope. Right. What's amazing to me is, is first of all, we, we, we generally take the scripture, and we just kind of pluck it up out of its context and say like, oh, God has plans for me. But the context of this is much, much deeper. That Jeremiah writes his, this prophecy during a time when the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah, has been uh, conquered by the Babylonians. They've been taken out of their homeland, and they're living in Babylon, in exile, slaves, servants to another nation. And God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah and says, hey, listen, Israel. And actually, pull yourself, pull, let's pull ourselves out of our context for a second and try to put ourselves in their mentality. I want you to imagine for a minute that, um, I want you to imagine for a minute that the United States goes to war with China, all right? And they defeat us because they have like 10 billion people. I don't know how many. It's a ton. And, and so they defeat us. And so they come into the United States and they come and they drag you out of your house, put you in a truck, drive you to the West Coast, put you on a boat, take you to China. You're living in a rural prison camp in, in China. That gives you a bit of the mentality that the nation of Israel has when they hear this verse, when they hear this prophecy, this promise. And God comes to them and he says, I know you're away from home. I know things look dark. I know things look bleak. I know things look black. I know things look hopeless. I know you probably think you are going to die here and never see your home again. And what I'm telling you is that I have plans for you. I'm not done. Plans to give you a hope. 
plans to give you a future. And when the God of all creation comes to you in that situation and says, hey, I'm, I'm going to take you out of this. Now, that, that'll cause you to think big and to dream big. Now, that's a specific promise for a specific people. So that promise is not for us, but the principle is for us. That God has a plan for you. That is as dark as it may seem, as hopeless as it may seem, as much as you may feel like your entire life is closing in on you, God has a plan for you. And it may be to change your situation, but maybe not. It may be to change you in your situation. It may be to transform you and to bring you a new perspective and to raise your hopes so that you can see the plan that he has for you and the dreams that God, your creator, wants you to dream. The hopes that he wants you to have for life. Isn't he, when he saves us, he doesn't save us and then leave us. He saves us through, the, through Jesus Christ on the cross, through his death on the cross, paying for our sin, through his resurrection, doing what we can't do, defeating death, and then he sends the Holy Spirit to live with us so that we can begin to move uphill so that we can get closer to what he designed for us. Our hopes need to be in line with God's hopes for us, not just my hope to have a house on a lake or on a mountain someday, but the hope to become more and more like Christ, the hope to, to influence my friends and neighbors and to bring them to Christ, to, to the hope to, to raise my children to love Christ, the hope to, to impact the world in the name of God. Ephesians chapter 2 um, starting in verse 8, says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's, it's not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So we don't have to do anything to earn God's favor. Christ has already done everything on the cross. All we have to do is come to him in faith. My dad preached last week about just a trusting look to the cross. That's all you need, just a trusting look. So why? It's not a result of work so that no one can boast. We can't take credit for our own salvation. But listen to verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. So he saves us, he creates us, right, in Christ Jesus for good works. So we can't earn our way to God, but once we've been saved, once we've accepted faith in God and he's forgiven us, he's got something for us to do. All right, we're saved for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a path for you to walk. He has things he wants you to do. He has a role that he wants you to play. When, when the... In the scripture, when it talks about the church, it talks about the church as a body. Well, body has a lot of different parts, and you need all those parts in order for it to work correctly, right? You're a piece of that. And so he has a role for you to play, like you're a finger, or you're an arm, or you're a knee, or you're a, I don't know, a pectoral muscle maybe, or I don't know. I guess there's a gluteus maximus somewhere in the room. I just don't know where you are, you know? He's got a plan and a role for all of us, but we got to figure out what that is. And when we figure out what that, that is, we got to set those hopes high. Set them way out ahead of us and say, I can't wait. I want to become more and more and more and more what God has designed me to be. And to let that be big and let it be vast and let it be, let it be the kind of dream that when you tell people about it, they go, I mean, you're never going to be able to do that. You say, I don't know, but I'm going to try. I'm heading uphill. I'm heading uphill, not downhill. All right, so we've got to establish those uphill hopes. All right, that's step number one. Step number two, we need to eliminate downhill habits. There are things that we do, there are places that we go, there are people that we spend time with that simply drag us downhill. And that gravity is very, very difficult to fight. So here's what I want to just encourage you to ask a question. Where are my habits inconsistent with my intentions? 
Where are my habits inconsistent with my intentions? Where are the things, I, I know, I don't need to tell you what these things are, do I? We know what they are. It's the things I, I'm doing that I know aren't productive or the things that are productive that I'm not doing and I know I'm not doing them, right? I need to eliminate downhill habits. And, and, and it can be really hard. The, the greatest trick, the, the, the tactic of our enemy of Satan is to lie to us. It's, it's tactic number one. And so he will lie to you about who you are and what your potential is and, and who you've been designed to be. And he really wins when he gets you to buy it, when he gets you to believe it too. When we say things like, I've tried to change and I can't. There's nothing I can do. It's, it's too late. I've been like this too long. I've, I've, I've been in, I've done, I've done it too many times. I, there's no way that I can eliminate this habit. It runs in my family. It's in my DNA. I was born with it. I can't change. It's the greatest lie that we could be told. And what I want you to know, if you've never heard this before, is that God will always give you what you need in order to do what he tells you to do. He will never under-resource you for your plans, for his, the plans that he gives to you. All right? You won't be able to do it on your own. You're going to need his help. But he's never going to give you less than you need. He will never... He wouldn't do that to you. He wouldn't set you up for failure like that. He wouldn't give you a hope and a dream to see something happen just to knock the stool out from under you. He's not going to do that. He's going to give you everything that you need to do what he wants you to do. So we've got to crush the defeatist attitude that we have. That does not come from God. That comes from our enemy. He wants to convince us we can't do it. So no more excuses. we just got to cut it out. We've got to stop saying, I can't. And we've got to start saying, God can no more excuses. It's like a, I heard a story about a guy who was driving down the road, swerving all over the place, middle of the night, right? Passes a sheriff's deputy. Sheriff's deputy, he's like, I know this guy's been drinking, right? So he, he pulls him over and um, guy gets, he says, get out of the car. Uh, sir, I think you've been drinking. Um, I'm going to need you, um, I'm going to need you to take this breathalyzer test. Guy goes, mm, can't do that. He says, why not? He says, man, I'm asthmatic. I will die right here in the street if you give me that breathalyzer test. And Sheriff Sebi says, well, okay, fine, then we're going to have to take you down to the station then and we'll do a urine test. He says, no, can't do that, man. He says, why not? He says, I'm going to die back. You ain't going to get good reading. He's like, okay. Um, well, then we're going to have to take you down to the station and we'll do a blood test. And the guy says, can't do that. He says, why not? He says, I'm a hemophiliac, man. You can do that. I'll bleed out all over the station. I'll die. And the guy says, yeah. Sheriff says, well, that's fine. I'm going to need you to, all right, fine. I'm going to need you to walk this line. The guy says, can't do that. He says, why not? He says, I'm drunk. <laughs> all right, no more excuses. No more excuses. You've got to be honest, right? What are, what are those downhill habits that you have? Be honest about them, all right? <laughs> it might be something that we're doing, right? It might be somewhere that we're going. It might be someone that we're spending time with. We got to be really careful because we develop our habits and then our de habits develop us. Now be careful about the people that you spend time with to make sure that you're influencing them instead of them influencing you. That if you're with them and that you can drag them uphill as opposed to them dragging you downhill, okay? You become the company that you keep. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul quotes from a Greek play when he says that bad company corrupts good morals. All right, you become the company that you keep. And, and Paul, he's this guy that he battles with it like we do, right? 
he talks, he uses this language of fleeing from one thing and pursuing another thing. That I, that I need to flee downhill habits and I need to pursue uphill habits. And so he says, in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, flee idolatry and pursue love. In, in 1 Timothy 6, he says, flee the love of money and pursue righteousness, love, and peace and faith. In In 2 Timothy 2, he says, flee youthful passions and pursue faith, love, and peace. We have to eliminate the downhill habit and pursue something new. So I don't know what the downhill habits are for you. I know what they are for me. God keeps illuminating them to me. But think about what they might be for you. It might be substance abuse. Constantly going back to drugs or alcohol or nicotine or prescription pills or whatever it may be. But addiction will wrap you up and drag you down. It might be sexual impurity. Like you might be looking at pornography or you might be in a relationship with someone where you're uh, making decisions that are sexually impure. They're dragging you downhill. It might be gossip. That, doesn't, that seems harmless on its surface, but it's not. It, it'll drag you downhill. It might be complaining or selfishness. There may be activities and things that you need to just say today, maybe you'd write them down. <laughs> maybe you'd write them down on your, on your notes. And because something about writing it down that makes it real, you know, when the ink is permanent. And so when it hits the page, it's like I'm admitting this is an issue. And they could be small things like I'm watching too much TV and not spending enough time with my family. Or uh, I'm playing video games constantly and it's just flooding my mind with violent thoughts. Or, um, it might be social media for you. It's just consuming me with jealousy or anger or frustration. Identify the habits. Maybe it's um, skipping your quiet time and, or not having your quiet time. You're using that time for something else or allowing other things to encroach on it. What are those downhill habits? What is that for you that you need to eliminate? Um, I know this is, this is small. This is a micro tweak. And, um, but one of the things that God had been told, telling me is that my you know, one of my primary responsibilities is to, to raise my children. That's, that's like job number three for me, okay? All right, following Christ, job number one. Loving my wife, job number two. Raising my kids, job number three. And, and so um, I found that what I was doing, my kids would come and want to play a game with me or whatever it may be, and I was just sitting there on my phone playing games. Games, I know. It seemed very serious at the time. And I was, I, I get addicted to games on, on my phone, like bike race and trivia games and Word Up and, and you know, stuff with Yahtzee and things like, things like that. And um, I'll just play them. And I, once I get into them, I just get into them and I play them for like hours and hours. And I, what I found is my kids were coming and asking me to, to play games or to, you know, do whatever, read or things like that, you know, how important could reading be? And, um, and they would come and they say, Dad, could you come read this book to me? And I'd be like, no, I'm busy. Like, I got to beat this level. Like, I'm busy. And I realized that, that this, this thing in my hands all the time staring at it was a downhill habit that was keeping me from accomplishing the hopes and dreams that I had for my family. Silly as that sounds, it was. And so I just deleted all the games off my phone. And you know what? I'm a lot more present with my kids. It's crazy. I know. Praise God. No more games on my phone. The hard thing now is not just being like, you know, I could just download one, you know, just download a crossword app. 
That's, I mean, that's basically brain food anyway. So, um, but they're, sometimes they're little things like that. It's just a practice, a habit. Take your phone and put it in a drawer as opposed to holding it in your hands instead of putting it in your pocket. I mean, stuff like that. There may be little changes that you can make in your life that are going to help you to eliminate those downhill habits. So maybe you write them down. All right. God will help you with it. I know, I know that's like a simple one, but there are big ones. There are big ones that some of you are thinking about. And um, God is here to help you with those things. The Holy Spirit does want to help you to overcome that temptation. Um, in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes this. He says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. So don't think you got it all figured out and that you're there and that you're fully going up. We never are. This is a constant process of tweaking and changing. Um, but he says, no temptation has overtaken you. That's not common to man. Everyone deals with the same stuff. It's just different versions of the same stuff. Okay, different levels and severities of the same stuff. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. So he's, he's here for you. He's not going to let you fall if you lean on him. But you got to, it's not your ability, really. It's, it's his ability, right? But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. He's going to provide the way of escape. He's going to offer to help, but you, we got to take it. We, we have to respond. We can't just wallow in our own self-pity and misery and say, I can't change and things can't change. We have to think big, dream big, and eliminate some of those things and lean on God's help. He will provide the way of escape for you. And he says, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry, which I mentioned earlier. And verse 15, I love it. I speak as to sensible people. So I love that. He says, I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. He said, you can figure this out. You're smart. <laughs> if you'll lean on God, he will deliver you from that temptation, but you have to lean on him. You're not going to be able to do it yourself. I know one of the hardest ones is addiction. And I just, um, I love the old saying about um, recovering from addiction. There, was one, there once was a man who woke up and decided he was going to go for a walk. So he walked down to the street and he turned right. And as he walked down the street, there was a hole and he fell in. And it took him a long time to get out. And the next day he woke up and decided he was going to go for a walk. And so he walked down to the street and he turned right and he fell in the hole again. And it took him a long time to get out. And the next morning he woke up and he walked down to the street and he turned right. And this time he saw the hole and he came up close to the hole and he peered down into the hole but he lost his balance, and he fell in, and it took him a long time to get out. And the next morning, he woke up, and he walked down to the street, and he turned right, and he saw that hole, and he tried to, tried to edge around the hole, just kind of tiptoe around the edge of the hole, thinking he'd make it to the other side, but he lost his balance and fell in, and it took him a long time to get out. And the next morning, he woke up and walked down to the street, and turn left. You see, the things, the things that are holding us back and holding us down, the, we need to choose differently. It doesn't matter why we have those habits. It doesn't matter whether it's nurture or nature. It doesn't matter whether that temptation comes from the way I was raised or the amount of money that we had growing up or, or how my parents parented me or what part of the world I was born in or what my genetics are or aren't. Like None of that actually matters. The only How I got here doesn't matter. What matters is that for things to change, I need to think differently. That's why the scripture talks about 
And through God, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need to think differently. In church, we would use the word repent. You're going to see that word, right? Repent. And that means to change your mind, to change your direction, to say, I was going this way and now I'm going to go this way. I was embracing I was embracing downhill habits, and I got into that for some reason somehow, but I'm changing. I'm choosing differently. I'm going to choose uphill habits, and that's the third step. Step number three is to establish uphill habits. Now, this is what we're going to spend this series talking about, and we're going to talk about three major habits that we need to put in place in our life so that we can begin moving uphill. And all three are important. If you're missing any three of these, it's going to be incomplete, so I want to encourage you to join us for every week in the series. But we have to put these habits in place, and God is going to empower them. He's going to direct them, and he's going to empower them so that we can become all that he plans for us to be. And one of the problems that we face is that our society and our culture thinks that you can move uphill without God. And it's not true. Our, our culture thinks that if you just put these few practices in place before your feet hit the floor in the morning, that you can be happy and whole and healthy and fulfilled and complete and all that you're supposed to be. I have a, um, I I do still use my phone, by the way. Um, I have an app on my phone. Um, Every now and then I make a call with it too. But I have uh, an app on my phone called Flipboard. It's a news app and you can customize it so you can pick the kind of stuff you want news for. So like I don't have to see like political stuff and things like that. So, uh, but I get a lot of like entrepreneurship and leadership stuff, you know, as a pastor, church planter, I get a lot of that stuff. And I tell you, every single day I flip on that phone and I start flipping through news and it's the four things the top CEOs in the country do before they have breakfast. The, the top six things you need to do every single day to make you happy and healthy. The, the new thing now, the new um, fad is what it really is, um, is mindfulness, Okay, you need to be mind. It's basically meditation or focused thinking. We need to be mindful, right? Or, or you need to um, af- affirmations. Familiar with that? Like you look in the mirror and say, "I'm happy. I'm successful. I'm success. I'm successful. I'm successful." I'm successful, and gosh darn it, people love me, you know? It's that, it's an old SNL skit for those of you that, anyway, um, but uh, it's where you look at, you know, look yourself in the mirror, and you say these things, and as you say these things, they have power, and you will become these things. It's that, and it's, you know, uh, you know, if you have a routine, and you exercise this many hours a day, or you take serotonin, make sure you get your vitamins, it's this herbal extract, and that herbal extract, and if you, if you do all of this stuff, if you get all these things right, then you're going to be happy, and healthy, and whole, and successful, and accomplish your dreams, and all these things you want, and the problem is, it's not true. It, it's a lie. It, we are sold a lie. The, I don't know if you've been watching the news lately, but recently we've had two lead singers of incredibly successful rock bands. I mean like the most successful rock bands that you can be in the world, selling out stadiums. Two of them in a row who were really good friends with each other, by the way, who took their own lives. Whereas everybody in the music industry would look at them and say, they must be happy. I mean, how could you not be happy? You have all the success that all of us dream of, all these people that are at the bottom trying to work their way to the top. They look at these guys at the top and think, you got this thing all figured out. And obviously they don't. Obviously they don't. And it's like, it's like the plans of the world can take you maybe 90% of the way there, but they can never take you 100. And you always end up short. 
90% of something is never all of anything. But what God shows us is that as our creator, he can show us the path to become what he created us to be, while no one else can. And so we have to embrace not only his purpose for our life, but his plan for our life. Because the gravity of humanity always drags us downhill. I love, um, I like reading the message. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the message. Um, it is, uh, it, I, I, I won't call it a translation of the Bible because I don't think that's a correct uh, way to, to call it, but it's more like poetry or a person's commentary. Eugene Peterson wrote it, and um, he just takes the scripture and he creates this be- these beautiful word pictures to describe what the scripture is saying. And I love in Ephesians 5, the way he sums up verses 8 through 10, he puts it this way. He said, you groped your way through, the murk, through that work, murk once, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So if you embrace salvation through Jesus Christ, he will make your way plain. He will light your path for you. Lamp for your feet and a light for your path. He will show you what habits we need to remove and what habits we need to put in place so we can follow him closely. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. I love this. The good, the right, the true. These are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. So catch this last piece. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. I actually, I think the easy part of this is figuring out what will please Christ. There's a a barometer inside of all of us that points us in that direction The hard part is doing it, saying no, or saying yes, time and time and time and time again. The only way we're going to be able to do that, because the gravity of humanity pulls us downhill, the only way we're going to be able to do that is with the help of God, with the power of the Holy Spirit transforming our minds, transforming our hearts, transforming our desires, and giving us the power to be the people that God wants us to be. I can't tell you how many times I've been done counseling with people and I hear the same thing. I just, I'm, okay, I'm not a great counselor for, for the record because I'm blunt. So um, I, I just don't beat around the bush. So I'm going to be like, just, you know, that, stop doing that. Okay, that's my, that's my method of counseling. Quit it. Stop being so selfish. Stop thinking about yourself ahead of them. Stop. You need to stop. You know what you need? You need to take the computer and you need to move it out to where everybody can see it, okay? You need to, you need to stop lying. You need to put your bank accounts together so you can't hide things from each other. You need to, you know, like, I'll just, that blunt. And um, inevitably, inevitably, they'll look back at me and say, I tried, but... I tried, but. There's always a but. There's always an excuse. There's always a reason that we can't do it. We've got to get rid of those. We've got to lose them. And we need to start embracing the power of the Spirit and saying, instead of saying, I can't do that, I'm incapable of doing that, say, you know what I need to do? I need to rely on the Spirit of God so that I can fight that temptation. And it's going to change. Through the power of God, it's going to change. And then things change from I try to God did. Not from I try to I did, from I try to God did, as he transforms us and allows us to move uphill. Because we can't. You know, when Paul said that, um, 
of that first verse that we read where he said, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't do it. He's really, he's really not just saying, like, I'm not trying hard enough or, or golly, I just keep messing up. Oh, man, it's not, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, nothing good lives in me because of my sinful nature. He's saying, I, as a human being, am incapable, incapable of being who God wants me to be apart from him. That's what he's saying. I could try as hard as I want. I can put, I can create every spreadsheet and every list and every to-do list, and I can, I can have my schedule just like it needs to be, and I can take all the herbal supplements, I can say all the affirmations, I can spend all the time meditating, I can do all those things, but it is impossible for me as a human being to be what God wants me to be apart from Him living in me. That's what Paul's saying there. And so if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, It's a difficult way to say this. But apart from Christ, life is hopeless. It is bleak. I mean, and you might have a level of success. You may rise to the top of your company. You may, you may become the most famous person who ever did the thing that you do. But it's not going to matter without a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's just not. And you will never be the person that God designed you to be. And oh, heaven forbid you would get to the end of your life and realize you hit the target on the wall you were aiming for and realize it was the wrong target the whole time. God has plans for you, but he has to form what those are. And he has a path for you to take, but you have to embrace that path and eliminate the, ha- the, the downhill habits and embrace the uphill habits. And he will help you do it, but you have to lean on him. We all have to lean on him. And we're going to talk about a few of those as we go through the series. So we're going to give some practical. But what I want you to do right now is I really want you to pray about who God wants you to be, what he wants you to do, and what that dream is for you. Or maybe you know what the dream is, and you need to spend time as we're praying, praying about the habits that are keeping you from that dream, the things you need to change. Or, or maybe you need to pray so you know what those things are. You need to pray for the strength to escape them and begin putting the habits in place that are going to get you there, okay? So we're going to pray now, and I just, I'll, I'll be praying. Of course, you affirm what I'm saying, but also be thinking in, um, about what God is doing for you in your life, okay? God, I just come to you and thank you. Um, I thank you that even though we are incapable because of our sin of being holy and pure, hard as we try, we are just incapable Because of sin, we are separated from you, and we can't have the relationship with you that you designed for us. But I thank you that in your mercy, you sent Jesus Christ, your son. Jesus Christ, I thank you that you died for me on the cross. You paid for my sin on the cross, that you paid for the sin of each person in the room. I pray, God, there would be someone with us today that you're knocking on their heart and saying, you too. You died for their sin, Jesus Christ. And I pray that today they would ask you forgiveness, turn their life over to you, that we believe, Jesus, that you did what we were incapable of doing by defeating death, by rising again. And we believe that you have given us the Holy Spirit, not because of our works, but because of our faith in you. And that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have work for us to do. And so I pray for every single person in our church, you would make clear 
what their role is, what their responsibility is, what their purpose is, what their dream is, what their hope is, and you would encourage them to know that you have given them everything that they need to be who you've created them to be, that they would embrace that and pursue that, that they would flee today from the habits that drag them downhill, but they would embrace the habits that draw them closer to you and your purpose for their life that they would have a tremendous impact, that out of this room we could have a tremendous impact on the world in the name of Jesus Christ, that we could draw people closer and closer and closer to you. And I believe that there is tremendous work to be done out of this room in these lives. And I ask that you would fill us with the Spirit so that we are able to be all that you created us to be. Encourage us and inspire us and give us confidence. It's in your name we pray. Amen.